Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. And a good Birds Wednesday morning. Birds fans, thanks for hopping in here on Birds 365. You got your Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jerry McDonald. We're hanging with you for the next two hours. We get that much closer to the return of Doug Peterson and it's Jacksonville Jaguars Sunday down at Lincoln Financial Field. Um, Johnny Mac will tell us all about Coordinator Tuesday. And if he learned anything from the coaches that he got a chance to uh, question and listen to yesterday. But before we go there, John, if uh, you'd be so kind as to allow me a couple of minutes here to defend Birds 365 generally and John McMullen. Specifically. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Go ahead. By all um, means, you, yes. you got two hours to do that. <laughs> I'll wrap it up in two minutes. That's all it's going to take. Uh, for those of you who haven't, we got about 50 some odd people streaming in. Thanks for getting in early, guys. We we really do appreciate those of you who are tuned right in at 8 o'clock because sometimes we don't actually get here till 8.01 or 8.02. Uh, sometimes Jody Mack a little late. Sometimes uh, Tone a little late coming over from the uh, Jeff Kerr show. So uh, we appreciate you being here right at the start. So I'm going to give you guys a little special behind peek behind the curtains look at Birds 365. Uh, when we wrap up the show every single day, and again, we got to get out. We can't be going till 10, 4, 5, 6 like we have in the past because Saratella show is coming up next. So we got to wrap it up. And then uh, John and I and Tone will just say, hey, good show. Boom, got to go. And he gets the hell out. Uh, but John and I will stay uh, in, in the boxes here. For a couple minutes just to discuss the next day's show guests we're going to try and get on. Um, and when we do that, you, we still have the feed open. 
And when we're on the air, we don't use the, those who comment much. And not that we don't appreciate you guys, because we do. But I got John to talk to. John's got me to talk to. We always have at least one guest, if not two. So we don't have as much time to get into. Some of the other shows here on Jacob Media use the stream more than we do. The comments on the stream more than we, we don't. But I try and check in with them. I try and do it while we're doing the show, but it's not easy during a break. I'll do it or something like that because we're kind of busy hosting a show. So we can't be reading the screen on the side. And I read some of the comments after the show was over and done because John and I talked for a couple minutes. John dropped off. So I stayed on and I read some of the comments. John McMullen, Mr. Pessimism. John <laughs> McMullen, uh, I don't know if they used the word hater, but they were coming down on Johnny Mac for something he said in the final segment of yesterday's show, which, oh, by the way, I wholeheartedly agreed with. That's why I didn't call him out on it and say, Mr. Pessimism. If I don't even gonna, know what I said, Joe. I'll, I'll explain it to you. <laughs> uh, if you're going to get on the stream and you're going to take a shot, and it was a shot at Johnny Mac, either me or John, doesn't matter, or the show in general, at least do us the favor of paying attention to what is being said in the context and what it's being said. Uh, two people specifically said it because you used the word unsustainable. Well, here's what John was referring to in unsustainable about the pro football focus rankings and where the Eagles are right now. They're number one overall as a team. They're number one in passing offense. They're number one in overall offense. They're number one in uh, line block or whatever it was. I, uh, Seamus put it up there. He had a good grouping of them, but they got like seven categories yeah. that they're number one overall in the national football league. That's unheard of. No one is that good, that they're that good in every aspect of the game. And they are that highly ranked because they've only played three games. So if you don't think they can continue being the number one team in the NFL in this many categories, it's basically unsustainable. Exactly what John said. And that's why I didn't go, John, what are you talking about? John, you're a hater. Why? No, he's right. He's 100% right. It's a certain things that they've done here in the first three weeks are unsustainable. It doesn't mean that they're going to fall apart. It doesn't mean that they're doomed to, to, to come back to the pack. And, and that means nothing. All it meant was, in the way in which John said it was, it's unsustainable for them to stay at the level in the pro football, power, pro football focus power ratings that they have. And he was 100% right. So it... <coughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting all worked up. Um, if <laughs> now I'm letting critique, you go. I if you're going to critique John yeah. or myself, and feel free, because we get stuff wrong. I know I do, John less than me, but every once in a while we get stuff wrong. And you can call us on the carpet, but at least do so correctly. What John said, and there was two or three comments about, oh, unsustainable, that's just McMullen be McMullen. He can't stand the Eagle success. Bye -bye. <laughs> at least get it right. At least call him on the carpet for what he should be called on the carpet for, or me on the carpet for. But John was 100% right. Right now, where the Eagles are at is probably unsustainable. At some point, they're going to come back to the pack in some of these categories. I, I apologize for using up five minutes of the show, but I thought it was necessary because you're calling my boy McMullen on the carpet. That's my job. When he says stupid stuff, it's for me to catch him and call him on the carpet, not you guys. But if you want to try, at least get it right in the context in which he presents it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm used to it. I'm used to people taking things out of context, kind of 
kind of rolls off the back. I've been around too many it, coaches. For some reason, it really bothered me yesterday, John. Yeah. The show I, is I, over I, and done with, and I read through a couple comments ago. What are they talking about? They're being yeah. completely unfair. Yeah, I, 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 it's expected, and that's why I say when I when I say stuff, I know it's going to be taken out of context. I mean, people like that's what people do. They take short clips and they take them out of context. But yeah, I mean, look, and Nick Sirianni says it all the time. You you don't want to be in the bottom five in anything. We talked about motion a lot in the off season. He still jokes about it today. I um, joked about it when we were talking about tempo. Can't use motion in tempo. So he he, he tweaks us because uh, they've had a lot of success with tempo um, early in the season. Yeah, I mean, what you want to be is top five, top ten in, in as many categories as possible. And if you do that, you're a really, really, really good football team. Um if you're number one across the board, yeah, you're the best team of all time. Is that sustainable? No, I could lie to you, but you know, and a lot of people want that, Jody. It's not sustainable. You'll see. You'll see. But I'll never get the apology, Jody. I'll never oh, get yeah. the apology. Uh, I'm. I guess I'm apologizing for them, which yeah. I really shouldn't do. But uh, you got it for me. And just so you know, uh, the categories John was referring to: team overall, then a number one team. As per Pro Football Focus, I'm going to bring up a couple other media outlet power rankings in a second, but Pro Football Focus has them number one in the NFL. Overall offense, number one. Passing offense, number one. Pass blocking, number one. Receiving, number one. Can they continue to be the number one team in all of those categories over the course of the entire season? I don't think so, so that makes it unsustainable so i i agreed with john yesterday i thought you guys were picking on him which is just blatantly unfair um power rankings uh jimmy kemsky our buddy from philly voice does a nice job of grouping them all after they come out usually on a tuesday because you got to let the monday night game play out and then on tuesday all the media outlets will give you their power rankings eagles are pretty good now some people if you're overly sensitive like those who were John yesterday taking what he said out of context, you might not like the uh, rundown that I'm going to give you here. Uh, Kemsky uses seven or eight major media outlets that come out with power rankings on the Tuesday. NFL.com had the Eagles at number one. ESPN had the Eagles at three. The Athletic had them at two. Bleacher Report had them second. Yahoo had them second, which I don't understand. Yahoo had the Bills still at number one and the Dolphins at number four. Wait, didn't the Dolphins Bills just play? And somehow, yeah. well, Bills those are like college rankings. You know, it's not about head to head; it's about who you think is better. Um, yeah, and I, I would say the Bills are better. And if they played, you know, a hundred times, they're going to win probably eighty of them. Um, but that's why power rankings don't mean anything. Right. Here's <laughs> here's the way I define power rankings. They're a snapshot. Yeah. At that moment, put them in the order they should be in. And they're fluid. They can change. Next week, play more games up. Yeah, move guys up, move guys down. How you rank the Bills ahead of the Dolphins when the Dolphins just be beat them? I can't comprehend. That I don't understand. Um, so some of them were a little uh, wacky. Uh, CBS had the Eagles number one overall. And Sports Illustrated, Johnny's Ballywick had them at number three. So they're one, two, or three everywhere. They're one in a couple of different outlets. They deserve to be. They, 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 they have achieved what they've achieved through the first three games. 
Now the question is, can they keep it up? And it starts this week against Jacksonville, which is going to be a nice little test. Uh, John, I'm actually happy that the Eagles are playing the Jaguars this week. I, I don't necessarily want to see them play the Packers or the Bucks or the Rams, one of the other three top teams in the NFC. I don't need another cupcake that they're going to be able to roll over and be out to a 24 to seven lead. And then we got to come out and go, yeah, but they didn't score any points in the second half. And you defend them by going, Oh, it's human nature, Joe. Yeah, you get a big lead. You just take wow. your foot off the gas. I don't want to hear that again. So I think this is a perfect matchup for the Eagles this week. Jacksonville provides just the exact test that this need team needs right now. Yeah, and by the way, I'm and when I say it is human nature, I'm, I'm making excuses for the Eagles. No, yeah. that's oh, yeah. what I. That's what I. Well, that's what I believe. I, I'm other people, obviously, you believe a little bit differently, but, um, you know, I I'm, I'm just pointing out you can't first, hate first week make first excuses. week human nature. I'm good with it. Second week human nature. All right, now I'm starting to struggle with. Third week in a row, you're a National Football League team. You haven't figured out that your human nature got the best of you the last two weeks? Correct it. Well, I don't even put week one in that category. I, You know, they didn't score in week one, obviously, in the put they haven't scored at all. So we all know that. But they put the game away. I think people forget that. They ran a, a textbook version of four-minute offense. They bled the clock dry. They didn't give the football back to the other team. That's exactly what you're trying to do. Uh, that That's the goal of every team when they run the so-called four-minute offense. So I think they did the job. I think they showed they were tested in week one and they showed a sense of urgency. Everybody in the building knew they were going to run the football, including the Detroit Lions, and they ran the football and they bled the clock. So that to me is impressive. Uh, week two, week three, they weren't challenged. Yeah, those are human nature games. Nick Sirianni admitted, admitted it after the first one. He didn't admit it after the second game because he didn't want to go down that route. Because of what you're saying, Jody, you don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to double down on that kind of stuff from a coach's perspective. But that's what happened. I mean, you could pretend it didn't happen uh, from Nick Sirianni's perspective, but that's what happened. They were never challenged. If they were challenged, my gut in these games, I always talk about games have personalities. Um, My gut is they would have responded. Uh, if if the field goal is returned, for instance, against the Vikings, uh, or if Irv Smith doesn't drop the pass, my gut is they would have responded. You know, they didn't. They made all those mistakes, Minnesota, um, and you know, a little lackadaisical. Same thing with with Washington, who couldn't get anything going and until garbage time. Uh, that game was even more of a blowout, if you if you want to be honest. So, I, I, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, so, you know, you look at where the Eagles are. We talked about um, uh, all the rankings, and, and Jacksonville is, is a much-improved team with Doug Peterson coming in. You know, the Eagles, I think, are number one in offense in the NFL, number five in defense, by the way. Uh, for all you Jonathan Gannon haters, number five is pretty good. Um, Jack uh, Jaguars are also top 10 in both. I think sixth offense, seventh defense or vice versa. Um, so, I mean, they've been playing really well and you could say small sample size. Well, you know, Eagles are 
on a small sample size too. So if you're going to take the Eagles very, very seriously, you better take the Jags very, very seriously. And it starts with the quarterback who's really talented, but they have a, um, a good defense. It's interesting. You know, probably the one thing uh, both teams have done poorly, and really it was just week one for the Eagles, and that's tackling um, and, and Jacksonville. The Eagles are, well, I'll look it up right now. They were 32nd, so we were talking after week one. Now they're up to 26th. So they're getting slowly better, slowly better, incrementally better, correcting it. Jacksonville's 28th. Jacksonville's behind them as a tackling team. So maybe that's something to put an asterisk on. Um, but they've been a really good team through three games. And, you know, <laughs> when you're that bad for that long and you keep drafting players, all, I, I say it all the time, Jody. You wake up one day and you go, wow, we got some good we got players. A roster. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I think they're a good test, good time. Um and again, we kind of disagreed on the Detroit game and the timing of it. You knew you had to play in Detroit. I just assumed playing week number one. I was a closer game than I thought it was going to be. So uh, the proof is in the pudding. Maybe I wasn't as right as I thought I was, but they did win the game. They had to win the game. They did win the game. That three and all. So I like the timing of it still. And this is the right time to get Jacksonville. You could make that same argument uh, about Jacksonville. Or you could have at the beginning of the season. Well, you know, you do. No one play them early. Rather play them late because by then they'll know they're still the Jags and not capable. No, this is actually a team I think that could get better and build confidence over the course of the season. Trevor Lawrence had a comment yesterday, a quote that uh, tells me his confidence is not lacking. He believes in his team uh, and is is coming in here looking to move the ball against Eagle defense. But I think it's a, a really good spot so far. The schedule for me has worked very well for uh, the Philadelphia Eagles in the way that it has laid out. All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We've got a Wednesday edition of Birds 365 coming your way. We've got two good guests. Mike Gill joins us most Wednesdays early. He'll be up on the board coming up in just a couple of minutes and then a little bit later. EJ Smith at the Inquirer. We haven't had EJ on in at least a month. Uh, and I think he does a good job, a uh, very good job covering the Eagles for the Philadelphia Inquirer. And when he's hopped on here with us on Birds 365, he's also been very good. So we got uh, Gil first, EJ Smith a little bit later. I'll check out a couple of the streaming con comments. They're probably ripping me now for me ripping them. Okay, fine. Just keep it in the proper context, folks. Appreciate you tuning in here on Birds 365. <laughs> Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. 
Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. It's a Wednesday edition of Birds 365. John McMahon, Jody McDonald here with you. Thanks for everybody who streamed on in. And yeah, I'm, I'm getting beat up a little bit on the stream, but uh, I knew it was coming because <laughs> I didn't care. I was coming to defense of my partner, John McMullen. I'll come to the defense of Mike Gill whenever he hops aboard with us, unless he goes all West Virginia nuts on us. Then I'm going to He's got him. it. Look at him. We got <laughs> outdoor <laughs> Mike Gill with the WBU. Those guys, those guys go hard. Kincaid, Mike Gill, all the all the WBU guys. There's a bunch of us around here, man. Shelton Gibson, Russell Douglas, Wendell Smallwood, Kaiser yeah. White. Come yeah. on, man. Is is, when, is Wendell Smallwood still in the league? No, I don't think so. but he yeah, but he made it. You know, he was. Wendell he stuck was, around. He for was a while, there for man. a hot minute. Got to give yeah. Wendell credit. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Who's Let's West talk Virginia? about who's West Virginia got this week. It's a good question. Oh, come on. That's a Man, bad job. Man, you got to know the answer kill. to that. That's a you, bad. Got, you, got, you got the swag on. You don't even know who you're playing. They played Townsend last week. so you, you know, And then losing to Kansas, you lose before the season. Hey, everybody's yeah. losing to Kansas. Kansas undefeated. I know. Yeah, all of a sudden. Uh, oh, they play Texas this week. They're in Texas. All right. All right. That's that's. Sorry. Eh. I Texas, don't know what once Texas again is overrated anymore. as they yeah. always are. They're always so, overrated. Go, go get they, a win there, Mister West Virginia. Actually, uh, the 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 voice of the Mountaineers, Tony Caridi, messaged me last night. Uh, so it was nice to hear from. Him. He just got put into the Syracuse Radio Hall of Fame. So wow. uh, those those Syracuse guys, but the yeah, Tony Caridi's the the voice of the Mountaineers. He he DM'd me last night. He I do a podcast where I interview different announcers around the country. 
And we had Andrew Catalan on last week, and he got put into the Syracuse Hall of Fame. And Tony was telling me that he listened to the interview. Yeah, Very Syracuse. Nice. Uh, Syracuse Northwestern. Missouri, West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> the no. new, what is Syracuse? Newhouse School of Journey. That's yeah. a big one. Uh, yeah, that's a big one. But uh, nobody cares about that. So we're going to move to the Eagles, Mike Gill, do a Tom Bigby. Uh, So let's start with Kaiser White. Let's start with a West Virginia guy. I got to tell you, besides people hating me because I say this is unsustainable uh, as a whole, the most sort of angst I've gotten, and this is kind of amazing to me, honestly, is about N'Kobe Dean. Why isn't N'Kobe Dean on the field? Why isn't N'Kobe Dean on the field? Why is why do you need the Kobe Dean on the field? He's a he's a rookie behind two really good linebackers, and people are start already starting to complain. I mean, it's a luxury. It's great having him, and now he gets to sit and learn. And they could probably only afford one after the season, and then bang, twenty twenty three, the Kobe Dean is your starting linebacker. What's wrong with that? Is he in twenty twenty three? I mean, who's leaving? Well, I think my guess would be Kaiser. On okay, ground. I yeah, they're going to pay TJ, um, and I, and and by the way, I think Nicobe Dean is better suited to play weak side linebacker than middle linebacker, uh, just because of the size deficiency. So I think oh. he's a better fit on the weak side uh, than in 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 the middle, um, and TJ's better than Kaiser. I mean, TJ's Listen. TJ's good. Guys, you can you can make a strong argument of why this defense is, but we haven't complained about the linebackers once all season. Maybe the first game you had some missed tackles, but that was a collective collaborative. Yeah, effort. that was everybody. Right. Yeah. Um, I think, and I brought this up yesterday, John and Jody, which is one of the differences in this defense so far is that the ability for these linebackers to be able to do their job, they can cover. You know, T.J. Edwards' transformation as a guy that can play three downs has really negated the need for N'Kobe Dean at this point. I mean, in years past, he might have got some playing time because Edwards would have to come off the field. But him kind of transforming into a three-down linebacker has really, I think, changed. I think it's been under not talked about enough is that he has really been a key figure on Mm -hmm. a defense that has, you know, play and they got all the sacks. I think T.J. Edwards has been maybe the glue that has really allowed those guys to do everything because he does his job. White's doing a great job. So you're right. There's really no need for N'Kobe Dean to even get on the field at this point. That doesn't make him a guy that can't play. Sometimes you can just have an embarrassment of riches. Yeah. And I think Same this is thing with case. Cam Jurgens, by the way. Nobody complains about Cam Jurgens because they get it. I mean, obviously, Jason Kelsey isn't coming off the field. Nobody complains. It's the same thing. Well, and since, and since week one, we haven't heard, well, why isn't Jordan Davis playing more? He's playing the same amount of plays yeah. as he did in week yeah. one. It's just that they're now getting the job done. His role is what it is in year number one. So the complaints aren't there. We all like the new shiny toys. We were told N'Kobe Dean was this, why did he fall to the third round? So therefore, I want to see this guy in action. And hey, sometimes we can't have nice toys in Philadelphia. When things are going good, you can only find things to complain about. We don't like it. The phone doesn't ring as much when the things are going well. Uh, I think uh, Davis's numbers have gone up slightly. Not a lot. Well, uh, not a major jump, but they've ticked up slightly and hope they continue to tick up. 
with his uh, reps on the defensive line. Speaking of the defensive line, only eight sacks out of the defensive line last week. <clears throat> Mr. Edwards got the only non-defensive line sack last week. Uh, Washington just that bad. They, they, they were just waiting to break out. Uh, what is the main reason why the Eagles went from okay at best quarterback pressure to the best defensive line play in the entire NFL in week number three? Well, I mean, you get those weeks. Even last year, there were weeks where the defensive line had their day, and maybe they didn't, have, just... they didn't have any nine sack weeks. Last no, year. no. Uh, it's funny because John was on my show yesterday and said something about sacks <clears throat> and hurries, and a guy texted in calling him a moron, basically saying they're not the same. <laughs> I'm getting it from all angles, Jed. Yeah, I'm I saw that it from all angles. All right. no, I, I, I kind of agree with your call yesterday. John overemphasizes hurries. Hurry's right. well, sacks. The call his, is right. There's a difference. Hurry's can be effective. They're not sacks. Right. His I'll point tell Daniel was, Jones and Carson Wentz that this week. Yeah. His point was Daniel uh, Jones was hanging in the game till the last minute. Carson Wentz was not. No. That's because of Cooper Rush. But yeah. no, it's well, sorry, his, his point really was a sack. The clock stops. There's a loss of yardage, so it changes the down and distance as opposed to a hurry where you get the ball back at the original line of scrimmage and the clock is generally stopped because it's an incomplete pass. That being said, the fact of the matter is you saw what Dallas did on New York. They didn't get a lot of as many sacks as the Eagles did, but they were equally effective. And I think the Eagles, you know, look, are they going to have, that's the thing. And we talked about this is if they're not getting the hurries and the pressure and the sacks, whatever excites you more, is John Gannon, that's the next evolution for John Gannon. Is he going to recognize that in-game and say, we're not getting the same pressure we got against Washington. I need to do something more to generate it. So, yeah, they got plenty of it, and we should be happy and excited about it. But if they're not getting it this week, he's got to find a spot and a way to get it. If his game plan is, let's get pressure with four, and it's not coming – well, then you need to send five, and you need to disguise it, and you need to figure that. That's the next evolution for John Gannon to win people over. Yeah, and I think, you know, I'm going to defend myself here. I, it's not that I don't like sacks. I think people don't. Sacks are always good. Sacks are never bad. It's never a bad play. I just mean, you know, look, look, at, the, look at the difference between Kirk Cousins and Carson Wentz. Same pressure. Carson holds on to the ball. Kirk doesn't. Kirk throws it up for grabs. Darius Slay, red zone interception, red zone, Abonte Maddox, interception, interception, interception. Good things can happen from pressure. Sacks are never bad, but good things for, can happen from pressure. I think people don't. Well, and that's how, I, that's how I tried to explain it is, yes, the sack, the result of the sack is better. But the hurry also initiates the ability for turnovers, interceptions, you know, getting strip sacked, having the quarterback make decisions he doesn't want to make because yeah. he could starts be as simple as an incompletion on on third down. Could mm -hmm. be you know a hurrying up of the quarterback. Mike, a strip turn. sack is a sack. It's not a hurry. Yeah, strip sack is a sack. Yes. Well, but, I'm talking about where the quarterback maybe fumbles and maybe where he pumps because he's trying to then the ball comes squirting out. Stuff like that. But you're you know, right. It, it, that, and that's why. Well, you're I, being literal on me, man. You're being yeah, literal. I'm being 100% little because I disagree with John. Hurries are good. Sacks are great. If you have to put them in a preferential order, sacks first, hurry second. 
And I don't think there's any debate. Yeah, but you don't have to. There are some people that say hurries mean nothing. That's unfair. That's inaccurate. Sometimes you could have a hurry. If you're just looking at the statistical uh, marking, you can have a hurry and a guy can throw a touchdown pass. True. I don't know anyone who's ever thrown a touchdown pass when sacked. It has well, never happened in the history of the National Football it's League. It's all about so I the I don't know how you can equate hurries to sacks. Sacks will always be better than hurries or pressures. Uh, real quick, uh, another week, uh, another player of the week for the Eagles, Brandon Graham, NFC Defensive Player of the nice, Week for the PG. Eagles. By the way. And Joe, he's a hurry monster. Yeah. He By the way. Past week. By the way, that's unsustainable. So get at it, baby. They're not going to have a player of the week every week, but they have. It's unsustainable. Uh, so we'll get through angst. Uh, uh, let's move on to, to Doug Peterson, Mike, and, and his return to Lincoln Financial Field. This is a good team. Man. I don't, you know, it's a small sample size, but. They lead the NFL in turnover differential. That's something the Eagles stress. The Eagles are very good as well. I think they're third in the league. Jacksonville's number one. Um, They have tremendous talent. It starts with back-to-back consecutive number one overall picks, and they both look like number one overall picks now that they have an adult in the room coaching instead of somebody, you know, trying to do what he's trying to do at certain bars around the country after a loss. Uh, however, um, you know, you always have that it's, it's Jacksonville tent and, and it has been a, a bad organization. Sorry, Tony Khan, who was in town tonight, Leah Kors center, AEW wrestling for your wrestling fans. So he's, so he's in t- town early. Do you believe the Jaguars? Do you believe in this turnaround? Is this a good football team? I do, uh, and I said at the beginning of the year, I think they could be one of the teams, you know, I think it's 17 out of 19 years a team goes from last to first, and they were one of the teams to keep an eye on. Not because they're great, because that division is down rotten. Um, yeah, and they've got a lot of talent on that team. They just kept stockpiling that you didn't hear about because they weren't winning. Then you had the whole distraction with the coach, but I think we're seeing this around the league that the change in culture, it doesn't always lead to wins. And I don't know that Jacksonville is going to be 13 and four or 12 and five. They might win that division at, you know, 10 and seven, but that's a huge turnaround for them. And a part of it, because, you know, you talk about defense, they've been piling, you know, um, Walker and Lloyd is on that team. Griffin, uh, they've got a lot of Josh Allen. I mean, they've got some players on that team that you don't hear a lot about. Now you talk about unsustainable. I don't think getting, uh, plus five turnover differential is sustainable all season long. Now, that was like Dallas a couple of years ago. It felt like they got two turnovers every single game until you just don't anymore. And if you can't get them, can you win? Well, they got a guy on the other side of the ball throwing it around right now. And Trevor Lawrence that last year we were wondering, people were losing on purpose to try to get this guy. Well, you're seeing now that he has some structure. They have a real NFL offense. The culture has changed. And now they went out much like the Eagles did. Not as high profile, but they got receivers that put them all over the place around this guy. We are all scratching our head. They paid money for Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. Yeah, by the way, the Eagles wanted Christian Kirk, and you know, but they didn't want to pay that for Christian yeah, Kirk. Exactly. And they said, Yeah, thanks. But they really liked the player. Um, so it's it's not like he's not a good player because he got overpaid. And sometimes when you're Jacksonville, you got to pay a tax for being Jacksonville mm-hmm. until you Absolutely. get good. 
until you yep. get good, and then people will start and want to come play for Trevor with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, they, right. they yeah they feel like a team though that has definitely changed their culture. How many wins is that going to lead to? Don't know, but in that division, probably more than their roster says. Mike, I asked this of uh, one of our guests yesterday. I forget which one. I apologize for not remembering. And John as well. Doug Peterson knows a bunch of the Philadelphia Eagles. He certainly knows the town. He knows Jeff Laurie and Harry Roseman, but I don't think they're going to have any impact on the outcome of the game. But the guys that are on the field surely can. And some of the players on the Eagles certainly know Doug. Having played for him, guys that have, uh, go back to the 2017 Super Bowl season. Where is the advantage more felt? Doug's knowledge of the Eagles or the Eagles' knowledge of Doug? Is there an advantage to be had this week because of that? I would imagine the coach knows his players better than the players know his coach sometimes. I mean, at least they think they do anyway, right? Like, we've coached these guys. We know what they're good at. We know what their pluses are, their minuses, their strengths, their weaknesses, as opposed to, I don't know how much Doug even worked with the defensive players, right? I mean, how much hand did he have? Yeah, yeah. that was all Jim Schwartz, yeah. Right. But, you know, guys love him. Brandon loves Doug Peterson. Uh, yeah, but I would think – of the week. <laughs> and the Eagles coaching staff, you know, none of, none of these guys other than Stoutland. Now, Stoutland might be interesting. He might be a guy who has a lot of input this week who yeah. said, hey, I sat in the room with Doug and we designed plays and I know what he likes to do on third down in that situation. You know, so I think Stoutland could be a key kind of guy in this, in this situation there on that side. But I would imagine Doug – now, how many guys really, though, the skill players, none of them are really – were here, Goddard um, – so, yeah, I don't know how much input Doug will have in terms of the Eagles' offense because that personnel is a lot different, and it's a completely different coach's calling. But he might know on the defensive side of the ball, hey, I know Fletch really likes to get over-aggressive in this spot. Let's do that. Brandon, same thing. A lot of players on the defensive front are still here, but most of the guys in the secondary are gone. The linebackers are obviously different. Uh, so, But this, it should be a fun chess match to see it all kind of unfold. Yeah, here's my concern from the coaching perspective. And maybe you bring up Stout is is the most important coach for the Eagles. Well, he might be every week, but um, this week particularly because of his intimate knowledge of, of Doug and the offensive game planning. Similar for Jacksonville, though. Nobody knows uh, Nick Sirianni better, with the possible exception of Shane Steichen, than Mike McCoy and Jim Bob Cooter, and they're both on uh, Doug's staff. Uh, Mike's the quarterback's coach. Um, Jim Bob is the passing game coordinator. I mean, they know they know, they know, know Nick backwards and forwards. Mike McCoy was here all the time in training camp last year before he got the job in, in Jacksonville. Uh, Jim Bob was on the Eagles staff, although they didn't admit it, uh, as a consultant, especially – you know, and, and Nick leaned on him, especially after the poor start. Um, I I don't think people are paying attention to that as much. Uh, this might be a game where you have to break your tendencies because McCoy and, and Jim Bob know what Nick wants to do. Yeah, well, how much, though, does Nick call the plays anymore? How much does he impact that part of the game? I mean, Shane Steichen's getting a lot of this praise in terms of you know, he might be a head coaching candidate. Well, on game day, how much is Nick impacting the play call? 
Well, no, no, on game day, and Nick Nick is very vocal about this. It's his offense, and he wants you know he wants a stamp on everything. You know, I I think people don't realize you know the prep during the week. Everything is put on the call sheet. Everything is known. We're going to do this in this situation. We're going to do this in this situation backwards and forwards. There's a little bit of a change, and and Nick always says because people are different. So if, if, if you and I work for 40 hours and, you know, uh, we got everything, we're on the same page, but you're doing it or I'm doing it, it's going to be a little bit different, but not yeah. much, not much. So that's, that Nick's very involved with this offense, very involved. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, uh, every week, I think in the, in the NFL, guys sign guys off practice squads to try to pick their brain on, hey, you played on their practice all week long. What do you know? You know, we see this all over the league. This one seems to be a little bit closer because Doug was here for so long. I, I, I wonder, guys, and by the way, I'm in the chat in the background on another device because my laptop's going to die here in a minute. So if Tone <laughs> wants to put me in, if you see me back there, I'm on my other device. But the energy in that building is going to be very awkward. I feel like in the beginning, like do we we're going to cheer, but we're three and zero. We love this team. We're excited, but this guy is here. I feel like it's going to be a very odd dynamic when he comes out, or how they introduce him and what they do for him. Don't you? I I I think that ends that kickoff. I mean, yeah. it, it, when when the ball is kicked off, it's about the laundry. As Jerry Seinfeld says, you know, you you got to be wearing the right laundry, and they don't like you. They'll love Doug before, but as soon as that ball is kicked off, they they don't like Doug. That's that's how I think it's going to be. Yeah, I think it'll even be before that. I think Doug gets a major hand when he comes out right before kickoff, and then there's the good couple of minutes where they have to go out and uh, flip the coin, and the Eagles have to defer. Um, yeah, no, it'll it'll be an eagle crowd by then. It'll be a couple of minutes of applause for Doug, and then it's over and done with. Do and they put? Do they put a video up? Does he get a tribute? No, Is there no. nothing? That's no for, video, huh? No, that's for no JJ Reddick video, like the wave. That's for after TJ McConnell down the road when he goes in the Eagles ring of honor, maybe that's for, you know, that's well, but my, that. I guess, John, when's the next time Jacksonville would, would be here eight years, 10 years, eight, 14 yeah, years, eight, probably eight, eight years. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, in, in the case of Doug, it'd be, you know, if he retires at some point, they'll probably have an anniversary, you know, of the Super Bowl team down the road. Uh, those are, those are what those moments are for. He's coming back as a visiting coach. We already saw it with Andy Reid. Yeah, yeah, nice cheering, and then you get down to the game. Did, did uh, they or didn't they have a video tribute for Andy? I don't. I think that I think they did. I think I Gil's recall. onto something. I think that the Eagles could put up. They got enough video to play with something that certainly signifies the Super Bowl win because that's an Eagle achievement along with a Doug Peterson achievement. He's got to be center stage of it, but you can certainly add to it. So it's not something like the crowd's looking up. Why are we looking at this? Oh, we're looking at it because we won the Super Bowl. That's yeah. right. Doug was in charge. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, I here's a question. They, I think they may go video tribute. A short yeah. one, not more than 30 uh, seconds. Yeah, like a quick, like, you know, welcome back, Doug, and him with the hands up and the confetti falling down and maybe him and Nick, 
you know, shaking the head. I, there's, I, I imagine, and that's why I'm like, the energy in that building is going to be really weird because people are going to be like re-emote. I don't know. I, 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 they got. It's like when the Sixers bring back Allen Iverson. Like you know, it's like he's up there so many times. And when you see him, no matter how many times you saw him, you're you remember what he did for. Not that they won a championship, but you know, people just no, embrace him. When it came back with the Nuggets, or you know, they, oh, they they, there were huge. No, there was a huge ovation that night. But in yeah. the fourth yes, quarter. In the fourth quarter, if the game was on the line, and it probably wasn't at that point, but uh, you know they would be rooting for their team. I I don't think it's that that strange, other than you know mm-hmm. Jalen Rager comes back, everybody boos him every time he touches the football, every time he comes on the screen, they don't like him. Um, Carson Wentz, when he comes back, if he's still Ooh. a starter by that point, they don't like him. They're gonna boo him. Uh, Doug, they like, so they're going to cheer him until the game starts. I, I I think it's as simple as that. Now, I did forget to add that Doug did, you know, have Jalen here, and he might have opinions on what Jalen can and cannot do, right? He might have some opinions of, hey, Such I know this kid. Such a player, though. Such Correct, but player. he might go off of what he remembers yeah. and say, hey, when I had this kid, he struggled doing X, Y, and Z, and now – this could be a good game to find out how much Hertz has developed. Yeah, and, and he has I think developed quite a bit. Probably. You're right, John, when you say that Jalen Hurts has uh, changed a lot since uh, when Doug Peterson was coaching him. But I think you got to give Doug some props for it because there was a whole bunch of Eagle Nation, that, including, I would bet, the owner, Howie, I'm not sure. Wow, that's a good question. I'll ask you guys in a second. But um, not everybody wanted Jalen Hurts to get on the field. They they were, what do you mean you're benching our $100 million quarterback? We know he's not playing well right now, but he's the man. You can't bench him, Doug. I thought he was one week too late, but, but he did it. And that flew in the face of some people in the Eagles, certainly Eagle Nation, and within the organization, I would bet, that didn't necessarily want that to happen. So I think Doug is at least a contributor to the fact that Jalen Hurts is now one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League. I think you got to give Doug some credit because he put him in there for the first time. That 2020 season, man, you could have made an argument that you could have put him in at any point. That's how bad Wentz was. I do agree that people wanted to see him work out of it, but I think there was another side that was like, dude, he is so bad right now that you can make an argument that you have to sit up. Now, logically, you couldn't at an earlier stage of the season, maybe a week early, but because of the money. And that's what comes down to these decisions. He was getting paid so much that you couldn't put your head around. Mm-hmm. We just paid this guy, and now we're going to bench him for a guy that people scratched their heads at why you even took. Yeah, yeah. Oh, John, John references this all the time. Our buddy Andrew Brandt, who's great, and hopefully we can get him on in a couple weeks. The Eagles will not release Doug. No one has ever taken the dead cap hit that the Eagles would have to take to trade Doug to trade Carson Wentz. Guess what? They traded Carson Wentz and they took the dead cap hit. So and Andrew was woefully wrong about that. Your point is right on, Mike. A whole bunch of people said, but we have to go back to Carson because the money dictates we have to go back to Carson. No, they yeah. didn't. And just to kind of roll off that point, just to see where this Eagles team is and then where they're going, the dead cap hit should have put them in disarray. Not only are they not disarray, they are looking through the cap hit into 
a clear blue sky out of this into this all. I mean, we don't want to jump into the offseason yet, but just it's amazing that whole Wentz thing where it kind of felt like they were heading because of it and where they are now. Like you can give a full expository on that whole. It's almost like the Sixers process. All the stuff that happened in there, there's so many stories. The Eagles look like they were going to have the death nail of this franchise and be in disarray for years. And now look where they are and how they are set up. It is truly a, a pretty unbelievable uh, story and picture yeah. that they have painted. Moving and, forward. And, and, you know, to defend Andrew a little bit, because I was on board with him. And Andrew's a money guy. So anytime somebody sets a new precedent, it, it's a surprise to a money guy. But, I mean, Carson, I think people forget this. The Eagles wanted to try it again with Carson Wentz. Oh, yeah. They, they can yeah. lie to you all they want now. They wanted to try again originally with Carson Wentz. And Carson was – he had pulled the plug. He wasn't talking to anybody. He didn't want any part of this organization. He felt wronged. Uh, all that. He forced himself out. So, uh, ultimately, and this is where I put myself and Andrew, we're in the category, well, Jeffrey's still not going to do it because we didn't think he would take that hit. Now, to his credit, he took the hit. And to Howie's credit, they got an amazing return for Carson Wentz as well, considering where he was, the money he cost, and all that kind of stuff. But make no mistake, the Eagles wanted Carson Wentz back. And if they tell you differently, they're lying. I'll tell you that right now. They wanted no, I, him back. I would agree. I would agree that they were hopeful that that it could have worked out, mainly because, number one, they paid him. Number two, I don't think they were really sure that Jalen Hurts could evolve into the player that no. we're seeing right now. And I'm they not sure looking, they – They were looking at Russell Wilson to Sean Watson this offseason. That's right, revisionist right. history as well. So I just want the record to show, and, and I want people to go through my timeline at Mike Gill Show. I was all about giving Hurts a full season here – and seeing him, and I got hammered. This summer sucked because of people coming after me for that. Yeah. Well, uh, did me, I think you're was, not getting an apology, Mike. Ever, did I think ever. it was going to be what I'm watching now? No. Um, but I think what is undersold about what is so special about Hurts, and I'm not saying special in a Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers talent way, is that this guy sees something and works at it tirelessly to make it better. And it sometimes for some guys, it works instantaneously. And that's the society that we live in. And other guys, it takes two, three years. I'm 45 years old. I'm not some like old head where I'm like back in my time, but it took quarterbacks two, three years to make that jump. And maybe Hertz is just an old soul that it's taken him three years to kind of make the jump. And I hate the Josh Allen comparisons. But Allen was an inconsistent thrower, bad decision maker. And then voila, I got Stefan Diggs and now I'm an MVP candidate. And I think Hertz is going through a similar process of the game slowing down. He's incorporating it better. I worked my ass off and you also gave me weapons. What a help. Yeah. AJ Brown's a big part of this as well. And, you know, Nick Sirianni to go back, you know, during his interview, a large part of his interview was, how can you fix Carson Wentz? Uh, the Eagles were the Eagles were trying to go in that direction, but they couldn't go in that direction. And sometimes 
Very similar to Doug Peterson over Adam Gaze and Ben McAdoo. Very similar to Nick Sirianni over Josh McDaniels. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And and then people say, oh, look at what they did with Jalen Hurts. They didn't, they didn't know what they had with Jalen Hurts, let's be honest. So if we're talking about Hurts and his development, you know, John Filippo was the guy who got a lot of credit for where Wentz was. Mm-hmm. Who would we say is the guy that needs to be on Hurts' hip pocket there moving forward? Oh, I think you just said it, Mike Gill. <laughs> Jalen Hurts. Because at least from what's being reported, he is such an extra effort guy. But he puts in time. He puts in work. Yeah. He goes above and beyond other quarterbacks in the league, other guys on his team, the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm not trying to short sell the quarterback coach or Steichen or anyone uh, on the Eagles coaching staff. But I think Jalen gets more credit than anybody else for the improvement of Jalen. And I like that answer. I guess the question moving down the road is, let's say Shane Steichen gets head coaching job and he's gone. Or are we going to wonder? Oh, my oh, God. Do you mean that that mean he can't exist? Um, that was the most overblown story this year. Two straight years in a row in the same offense. That's the reason that Jalen Hurts is going to become a player. No, it's not. It's because of what Mike Gill just said. Jalen Hurts put in the effort. Yeah. Jalen Hurts made well, himself here, a better player. I, I, Allie I, Roseman made him a better player by giving him A.J. Brown. All those things yeah. come before. Ooh, and two years in a row in the same system. I bring this up all the time. I'm going to bring it up again at Mike Gill's show. Listen to Mike every day, two to six on the sports bash, 97.3 South Jersey. Um, You know, people forget 2016, 2017, before the 2017 season, Carson Wentz went out to work with Tom House and company in Southern California. The guys, when it comes to mechanics after that season, now he got hurt, but never went back. Jalen Hurts did the same thing this year. His mechanics are improved, his footwork, all that kind of stuff. The difference is I guarantee Jalen Hurts is going back. I guarantee it to, to sustain and, and, and do that maintenance. That's the difference. Yeah. You know, Hurts is one of those guys. And I said this about Wentz, so I will throw that into the mix. Because Wentz in 16 and 17, you felt like you finally had a quarterback that just competed and just did everything possible. Because in the beginning, Wentz just looked like, I will do everything possible. And what made Wentz special, and this is what the the unfortunate part is for him, you know, the revisionist, you know, the I told you's, he's not the same player. The guy you're watching now is not the player that he was in 16 and 17. What made him special was his escapability. He could do things with his legs. He avoided the rush. When people came, he spun out. He reverse spun. He's not a pocket passer, so you're judging a guy now who's just not the player he was. But when you had Wentz then, it was like, I just can't see the Eagles having a 4-12 and season, 5-11, and because this guy just competes his ass off. That's kind of how I feel about Hurts. Whether you think he's got the talent or that he's got the skill set, I feel that he competes so much and the guys love him so much. Does he have the uber talent? No, but he's not a – bottom five talent guy and I feel because of that intangible this team with him will always be put it this way they will not have lost seasons with this guy as long as he's here all right Mike Gill I need you on the record even though my partner and buddy Johnny McMullen gave the Eagles a pass for the two 
three and outs that they had in the fourth. I thought I hated the Eagles, Jody. I thought I hated them. I'm giving them a pass. You gave them a pass for the Detroit game and the fact that they did one thing in a Detroit game. They they got the first down that they needed to eventually win the game. They had two three and outs in the fourth quarter. Before they did that, but they have not done anything in the fourth quarter so far. And John has given them the human nature pass the last couple of weeks. Ah, they were ahead. They didn't care. They didn't. So why? They didn't do anything. They haven't scored a point yet in the fourth quarter. Is it going to be necessary? Or the third, by the way. Or the third. Well, the third, they got a couple of points against oh, Detroit. Did, last Detroit, week, yeah. they haven't got any points in the third quarter. But uh, they did score in the third quarter of the, the Lions game. Over fourth quarter, all year points. Um Will they need to score fourth quarter points this week against a plucky Jacksonville Jaguar squad? Will they need to? Sure, yeah. Am I worried that they have it? No. Um, You know, I equated it to a team puts up an eight spot in the sixth inning and then they don't score the rest of the game. You still scored, had a crooked number, and they put the game away. I feel like the play calling changes. You don't want to show Jacksonville or – Arizona or Green Bay or anybody else, anything. So you scale the playbook back. I, I've heard John, he, he mentioned this on my show, and I do agree. I, I talked about it Monday, uh, which is I don't think they felt that Washington had was going to get back in that game. And if Washington did, I'll expand my play calling a little bit. So if needed, I think they have it in them. Um, and, yes, Jody, I think they will need to score in the fourth quarter this week because I think it will be a yeah. plucky type of game. That's right. It's not sustainable. They will have to score in the fourth quarter. That's sustainable being a good thing, actually yeah. scoring in the fourth quarter. That's what we want to hear, Johnny Mac. Thank hey. you very much for that. Uh, what it Mike comes Gil- down to for me in most of these games, though, guys, and it's not fun to talk about, their offensive line. Now, they didn't run the ball particularly well in the second half of that game when they could have ran the game out, but their offensive line just dominates these games. I mean, they're, they're – that's the difference between them and these other teams right now is their line. These other teams' lines have holes everywhere. And for four quarters, the holes are going to leak somewhere. The Eagles, you got to – it's a rarity to see a leak in that line, and that is just so undersold how good that line is. Yeah. Well, the, on, the only team of the three games that put pr- true pressure on Hurts was Detroit, and they had to bring five or six to do so. Yeah. They blitzed. Uh, and, and, and Jeff Stout in Tennessee needs an offensive lineman. They pluck one off the Eagles practice squad. Detroit needs an off. They pluck one off the Eagles practice squad. It's amazing. People know where to come for uh, a fill the void offensive lineman. Mike Gill, a pleasure always, bud. Good luck to your uh, Mountaineers this weekend. If you lose to Texas, we'll make fun of you next week. <laughs> All right, boys. Thanks, Mike. Mike, Mike Gill from the Sports Bash down to shore 97.3 ESPN. Hopping in with us on Birds 365. All right, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac, your Mac and Mac guys coming back. We'll get EJ Smith from the Inquirer up a little bit. I want to ask John about uh, what's the uh, Poe quote? The Raven no more. Quote the Raven no more. Quote the Raven no more. That's us here in Philadelphia because he's low Ravens moving on to uh, bigger and better things in Tennessee, which at least is a yeah. We got to talk about Stout. You go back to the Nate Herbig picked up on waivers immediately by your Jets. Uh, William Dunkel, nobody knows who he is, gets cut. Pittsburgh signs him two days later. Um, there was another guy who oh Jack Anderson uh, kind of was the was the fifty fourth guy uh, loses out to Josh Sills picked up on waivers by the Giants. 
Coyote Awasika gets plucked by Detroit. Well, Raven Clark gets plucked by Tennessee. It's freaking amazing. They had, they got 10, 11 offensive linemen. Now they have Brett Toth, Andre Dillard's on the injured reserve. They have 11 guys now. Add five to that. They have 16 NFL offensive linemen when they started this thing. It's amazing. Uh, forget about the quarterback factory. The Eagles are more a hog molly factory, if I can borrow a term used by a now extinct boy. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Former general manager of the New York Giants. They just keep churning them out on the offensive line under Stoutland here in town. John McMullen, Jerry McDonald, coming back here on Birds 365. Stay with us. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust. Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
Appreciate you being here on a Birds 365 Wednesday get-together. Johnny Mac, Jody Mac, hanging with you. E.J. Smith going to jump aboard in less than 20 minutes from now. Uh, we're talking a little bit about uh, Raven Clark being plucked by the Tennessee Titans. And uh, for the guys that Johnny saw going back to the 90-man roster from back in the summer, Eagles had a lot of offensive linemen in here. Um, and uh, they they all seem to have gotten jobs in the National Football League, even though the Eagles didn't have near enough room to keep them all. And they went a little light on the practice squad, Johnny Mac. There, there really isn't... Uh, uh, at least the way that it, it started uh, when guys were being picked off the practice squad, they weren't necessarily replacing him with other offensive linemen right now on the roster, including the practice squad, just pure numbers. I don't think you can call offensive line depth deep right now. Can you? Well, the practice squad. Yeah. I mean, they're tremendously deep on the 53. I mean, you got, you got Driscoll, you got Cam Jurgens, you got, uh, um, Suo Petty, you got, uh, who am I missing? Who's the fourth? I'll think of it in a second, right, but they but also it's, have it's the problem with those guys. Aren't all three of those guys best interior. Yeah. But Andre Diller's coming back soon. So do you know uh, that? Yeah. I mean, it's four to six, four to six weeks. So, um, He'll, he'll be back in October, um, and then all of a sudden everything's fine because Driscoll can play right tackle. Is, what, it, what happens What happens if Jordan Mailata turns an ankle first play of the game against Jacksonville on Sunday? Oh, that's the easy one. Um, um, now, I'm, I'm sorry, you're right. That's the hard one because um, Lane would be the easy one because you just kick, uh, you know, it's Move difficult without without Dillard. It's a little bit difficult because right now it will be Jack Driscoll playing left tackle, and and I don't think that's a good plan. But that's only the plan because you're down to your third left tackle because Andre's already out. If Andre's there, everything's fine. So they just got to make it till till Andre Dillard gets back, and he'll be back in October. It's not. There's no real worry that it's going to be way longer than that um so it's still better than most teams i mean you have to put it all in perspective in that if other teams suffer those kinds of injuries it's over it's done like the chargers are panicking they lose for sean slater's a really good young left tackle i mean they have nothing they have nothing they're really really in trouble the tennessee's picking up laurie mcclark off the eagles practice squad because they're desperate um same thing with Detroit with Coyote Awasika. Uh so they they have tremendous depth. Now the practice squad's taken some hit. The original plan, it's not that they're light. They wanted three three offensive linemen on the practice squad. They wanted uh Clark, Awasika, and Jack Anderson. Now Jack Anderson got claimed off waivers by the Giants, so they had to bring Cameron Tom back to be the interior guy. Um, then they lost Sabasika first. They had to bring back Jared Williams. Um, then they lost LeBraven. They tried out a, a, a veteran offensive lineman. They'll probably bring him in. I'll, I forget his name off the top of my head, but I'll look it up. Um, they worked him out on Tuesday. Yeah. And, and the assumption is that Jeff Stoutland will get him up to speed, but Look, even Roderick Johnson is who they worked out, who was a fifth-round pick in Cleveland uh, 2017. Um, 
So he might be on the practice squad soon. Here, here's the deal, though. Uh, you know, they're NFL-level players. But I always say, even with the Eagles, there's a big difference between Lane Johnson and Jack Driscoll. There's a big difference between Jordan Mailata and Jack Driscoll. There's a big difference between – you saw it in 11 snaps last week, Landon Dickerson's dealing with a foot injury. There's a big difference between Landon Dickerson and Sue Opeta. Um, even even Jason Kelsey Camp Jurgens. They're good. They're better than other people, but you don't want to lose those guys. You don't want to lose uh, – the, the Eagles starting offensive linemen are spectacular. You don't want to lose them. All right, then let me let me ask you this question, and you may have the answer. I probably should have the answer. I don't. I'm admitting it. That's why I'm asking you. The protection of the practice squad players that was in place last year, is it in place to the same magnitude this no, year? It, that was a COVID rule. They did away with it. There's they did no, They did away with it. So there's, there's no, no protection. No protection of, whatsoever on the practice squad. Guys. Then no, it's not how yeah. Roseman could have done. Because if they did and they were protecting other guys, like maybe some of the young uh, D-backs that no, they traded for no. or whatever, there's no protection of uh, practice squad players. No protection. The only protection is, is you know, Generally, guys, depending on the situation here in Philadelphia, they probably, you know, their agent will go, look, the Ravens got an opportunity um, in Tennessee to be on the 53. Do you want to elevate them? Eagles have a spot, remember. They're only at 52. They've been holding that spot for some flexibility. If there's other injuries, whatever they have to do, they could have said, well, we'll elevate them. And he probably would have stayed here. So they, 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 they made that decision. Uh, they're probably going to elevate Britton Covey, but we'll see. Uh, Britton Covey, I always say Covey. Um, and, and we'll see, but they need that flexibility. And then coming down the pike, Tyree Jackson is is going to be in the mix at some point. I just mentioned Brett Todd. They're on the pup list, so they're eligible after week four. Andre's going to be back in October, so they're going to have to make some decisions and the case of Raven Clark, they know Andre Dillard's coming by the end of the month. Worst case scenario, October. I'm talking about it's going to yeah, be. I was going to say the end of the month is in three days here, John. Yeah. I'm talking, uh, but the game is October. The Jacksonville game will will be in October. Um, so they're they're kind of you know you know you're rolling the dice a little bit. And and then the hope that you can last a couple of weeks and you won't need and you don't you hope you don't need Andre Dillard at all for the whole right. season. You hope Jordan Mylot is there for 17 games. Um but that's sort of every team has to go through those decisions and they let LaRaven uh walk and you know they'll they'll persevere. So anytime a guy gets signed off another team's practice squad. It's not like a waiver claim. It's purely a negotiation by a player with an agent that you say, listen, we're we're thinking about adding them to our 53-man roster. Are, are you good with that? Because the way you described a potential conversation with Raven Clark's agent and Howie Roseman, that they would give the Eagles a chance to say, oh, no, we'll elevate him. We can't afford to lose him from the practice squad. We'll find that 53-man roster spot. It's not as soon as the other team puts a claim in for him and guarantees him no. a 
place no, on it. They get, they get, you can sign anybody off anybody's practice squad uh, each week uh, until Tuesday. You can't sign anybody. So you have until Tuesday uh, from after a game till that Tuesday. Uh, you can sign anybody off anybody's practice squad. That particular player, as long as you give him a 53-man roster spot, is what the Eagles did with Janarius Robinson. And the guarantee is you have three games. So right. if you sign, you get three games. You know you get three game checks minimum. LaRaven Clark uh, is getting three game checks minimum. Um, now, it then it's up to the player. If the player can just say, I'm going, I'm gone. Or he can give, you know, he could give the Eagles a, a, a heads up and say, look, I have an offer. Uh, Nate Sudfeld, when he came to the Eagles, uh, he he didn't want to stay in Washington. So he just left um, for whatever reason. Um, it, it, it's up to the player. I mean, if you have that offer, you can go. You don't have to get the Eagles permission. You don't have to give them an opportunity to match. You don't have to give them an opportunity to put you on the 53, you can just go if you want to go. But a lot of teams, when they have good relationships, and that's usually the case in Philadelphia, they will give the team a heads up and say, look, I have a 53-man roster spot. If you want to put me on the roster, I'll stay. But if you don't, I'm going to go because it's a lot more money. That's right. generally how it happens. Have you ever heard a story of a player who was informed by a team other than the one he's on – on the practice squad um, saying, we, we, we want you, we, we, we're, we're going to pick you up. We're going to put on on our 53 and the player went to the team that he's presently with and said, listen, I really don't want to go. I like it here. I'm comfortable here. Yeah. I love the coaching yeah. staff, blah, blah, blah. And the team says, we love you too, but right now we don't have a 53 man roster spot for you. We can't, we're up against the numbers. There's nothing we can do about it. So feel free to stay. We want you to stay. We'll understand if you got to go and, and take that guaranteed three games. But if you want to stay, know full well that we still love you as an organization. Anybody ever turned it down? Yeah, there was somebody on the Eagles. I'm going to have to ask Zach. Zach Berman has the steel trap. It happened a, a couple of years ago. Somebody with the Eagles had an opportunity and just stayed on the practice squad. But I, I can't remember. I'll try to remember. I'll try to ask Zach as well. That's a pretty but, good sign. When when yeah. a player makes that kind of a decision, that tells you you got a good organization yeah. in place. That the people and and stay. by the way, to give you an example of the other, which is more typical, uh, Suo Peta, uh, Miami wanted to sign him, uh, and he told the Eagles, um, "Look, I have an offer," and they elevated him uh, from the practice squad. So that's the more typical. But there was one guy who who turned down. A, a promotion to a 53 and i'll ask zach i can't remember the, the mind is going jody all right one more quickie uh and then we'll punch up bj smith he's going to join us in a couple uh during the last break i ran upstairs to get a coffee refill my wife is watching the news as she always is she said they just described hurricane ian as at, right now bigger than the state of florida yeah, it's good. It it's, it's right there on category five. So I know it Miami's is, getting out early um, to where are they playing tennis. And uh, didn't Tampa didn't Tampa go to Miami to avoid being in Tampa when the hurricane yeah. hit? And yeah. now they're getting out of Tampa. Uh, they're getting out of Miami too. 
Yeah. He, that's uh, we, we're going to have our football interrupt us this weekend, John. It's yeah. not going to go smooth sailing around the National Football League. Now, it might not affect the Eagles. Tampa will get up. Excuse me. Jacksonville will get, a, get up here early. They'll probably leave earlier than scheduled. Maybe they'll all be at the AEW match tonight. Are you going? Yeah, maybe. Uh, I am not. I got too much work to do. Um, same, same, same here. I'll, I'll, I'll catch it either live or on uh, DVR a little bit later on because uh, I do want to see the Philadelphia show. Um, but yeah, maybe Jacksonville comes up early. There's going to be an interruption. There's going to be issues. There's going to be a game played in slog somewhere. Uh, you know, my parents uh, live down there, so I've been on the phone with my father a couple of times. Um, he said what's scaring them, and they're a little inland, they're in Lakeland, they're not on the coast with Tampa, but supposedly the rain is just going to continue to come down. That the winds might not be as bad as a hurricane uh, for level five, grade five, whatever, um, but it, when it starts raining, it may just rain for two straight days. He's actually more scared of flooding, and uh, there's a reason why they call the town he lives in Lakeland. There are a whole bunch of lakes there, yeah. and he's a little uh, nervous about flooding. There's going to be some interruption to the NFL this weekend because of this hurricane. Yeah, uh, and and hopefully everybody stays safe down there. I know we booked a, a Jacksonville guy, so he's got to worry for Friday, and you know nobody knows what's going to happen, so... Yeah, and scary. And a couple of days ago, by the way, it wasn't trending this negative, and all of a sudden it explodes. And uh, you know, I always say eventually I'm going to get down to Florida, but you know, on these types of weeks, you start to rethink that decision. Yeah, say, yeah I'll deal with the snow up here in the Northeast. Yeah. Don't I need to deal with this uh, type weather? Uh, yeah, Demetrius Harvey from Big Cat Country is a guy I had on uh before the season started like way back in august as a matter of fact because the jags played first game of the year the uh hall of fame game way back when because tony baselli got inducted this year and i had him on to do a jacksonville preview of the season uh this uh summer and he did a nice job yeah so, we got a you know tone asked an interesting question is trevor lawrence the best quarterback the eagles have seen thus far i would say he's the most oh, talented easily. easily i would say he's the most talented uh, they really shut down Kirk Cousins, who would I would have said was better before that game, but certainly the most talented, certainly the most talented. And and coming into the game, if you're just judging off what they've done in this season up until that point, it's not even close. It's Lawrence by by a lot. Uh, Cousins, well, had yeah, a, but he hasn't played the Eagles. Uh, you know, Cousins had to play the Eagles. True, but we're talking about before the game was played so he hadn't played the eagles yet now he has didn't go too well for his well that no that's what i'm saying before the game before cousins played the eagles i would have said cousins is better than lawrence but now i would probably say lawrence is better than cousins but lawrence hasn't played the eagles yet so we'll see certainly the most talented he's john mcmullen i'm jody mcdonald with your mac and mac birds 365 guys E.J. Smith to the Inquirer. Scheduled to join us next. You stay right there. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. 
go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Johnny Mac with EJ Smith from the Inquirer, who looks ready to go out and practice. You 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 look like you're all loose, EJ, ready to go out and get some work in. You know the Eagles uh, have some questions along the offensive line with the Raven Smith being the uh, Raven Clark. Yeah, you, uh, yeah what I say, a little, little matchup there. Yeah, no, mm. I I just got off the Peloton. I'm feeling good, guys. I don't know if they want me. I might uh, I might be one of those. Well, Stoutland will get you surfacing blocks. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, he you might he might be able to fix me up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. how's it going, yeah. guys? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to see you. Uh, good to have you. Happy Doug Peterson Day. Uh, we're going <laughs> to get to talk to the former Eagles coach, hopefully, uh, this morning, later this morning. Um, but I, I want to start with that Jacksonville team, EJ. And our producer, Tone, asked an interesting question, so I'll ask it to you. I think things have changed dramatically so quickly in Jacksonville. And we're still on the, this is week four, but is Trevor Lawrence the best quarterback the Eagles have seen so far? I was thinking about that yesterday, and I feel like it's a yes. Yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins is kind of right on that borderline of, is he is he elite, is he not elite? I feel like with Trevor Lawrence, it's uh, – it's a little bit more 
over the top of that sort of Mendoza line of Eagle or quarterbacks against the Eagles defense. I mean, he's the type of quarterback that's only going to get better from each week, week in and week out, especially as he gets more comfortable in Doug Peterson's scheme. And I mean, he's really talented. I mean, you, I, I watched that, uh, that game against the, uh, the chargers and it's like, man, this guy can throw 40 yards on a rope. You know, it's just the way the ball fires out of his hands and just kind of his understanding, even at this early in his career of the game, it's uh he's pretty special. And, uh, you know, obviously, I'm not the first one to make this comparison. I'm not going to be the last one, but they do have some uh, some 2017 Eagles DNA going on. I mean, that uh, that offensive performance against the Chargers, that's a talented defense, and they had 38 points, and they had three red zone field goals. They left a lot on the table. So, uh, yeah, I think this is definitely probably the best offense uh, that the Eagles have seen, especially just because, you know, I feel like the Vikings game, Kirk Cousins kind of just ruined everything for, yeah, by, being, by being Kirk Cousins. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I do. I agree with you. I think it's the best. I think this is the best quarterback they'll, they've faced so far. All right. I want to go back and revisit uh, Doug Peterson Day. Um, <laughs> John knows I like my hypothetical questions, and I'm going to run one by you, EJ. Mm-hmm. Say, oh, I don't know. E.J. Smith or John McMullen or Ed Pratt or whoever were to ask Doug Peterson, Doug, do you think you became the ex-Eagle coach more because you went four and 12 or more because you tried to flex your muscles and have say over who your coaching staff was going to be? And that kind of annoyed the owner. And that's why I gave you your walking papers. What do you think Doug's response would be? I don't know what his response would be. I know what I believe, which is the the latter. I think that his ability or inability to build a staff that the Eagles, you know, brass was happy with was kind of the final nail in the coffin. I think, I think it was kind of like an impasse where it's like the head coach should be able to pick his staff. You know, that's what Doug's opinion is. I'm a Super Bowl winning coach. I should be able to pick my assistants and the Eagles top, you know, Howie and Jeffrey Lurie. They're probably looking at it like, well, you're not doing a good job. We, we need to step in. You were at your most successful when, when we picked your coordinators. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that given the fact that Doug had won a Super Bowl here, he had kind of proven that you know, he could take you to the highest level and develop players and, you know, run a scheme that <clears throat> would be, you know, on the cutting edge of the NFL. I do think that the biggest problem that he had here was, his, you know, his staff building. And I think that was kind of what unraveled things for him. So I don't know if he'd answer it honestly, but I think that that's yeah. what happened. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of interesting that he did win a Super Bowl and, you know, almost from day one, they deferred more to Nick Sirianni when it came to building a staff. Now, there were certain guys they told Nick, hey, it's probably a good idea if you want to keep Jeff Stoutland. It's probably a, a very good idea. <laughs> and they went out and got him, you know, Brian Johnson, people like that, a, a few guys. But for the most part, um, they let Nick do what he wanted to do with the coaching staff. And they never let uh, Doug do what he wanted to do with a coaching staff very bizarre to me very bizarre yeah no it is weird I mean I guess maybe a little bit of it is it's not hard to sell Jonathan Gannon as a defensive coordinator no. two years ago I mean he was one across now. the league and yeah <laughs> oh, he's on the he's on the upswing he's trending up yeah. but yeah I mean uh, he was one of you know across the league he was highly regarded um you know the offensive coordinator I think yeah Shane was coming from like a situation where it's like okay like Justin Herbert's there and you know, what, what level of, you know, responsibility do we give Shane for, you know, his development versus just Justin Herbert being like a, a you know, superhuman uh, quarterback prospect. But I do think that Shane was a little bit of a harder sell just because, you know, you were, I think when he got here, everybody was a little bit like, 
this guy was just running the Chargers offense, and the Chargers offense was a big mess. They almost ruined this great quarterback, this rookie quarterback, but the quarterback kind of made everything, you know, it's like the mouthwash, as they say. Like, he kind of made everything a little bit sweeter. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I think that maybe it was, like, the guys they were trying to sell, or maybe it was, like, they learned from their experience with Doug to, you know, sort of avoid avoid clashing too much or the coach trying to build his first staff. All right, quickie quiz for you, Jay Smith. Um, Trevor Lawrence has quarterbacked the Jacksonville Jaguars for the last 20 games. Who was the last guy not named Trevor Lawrence to start for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Uh, I think he's in the Eagles locker room, isn't he? Gardner Minshew? Yeah, that's exactly right. How is Gardner Minshew? I have not heard his name mentioned in a month. Is he still? Are we sure he's still on Eagles? You've seen that mustache. You're sure he's still in that (laughs) locker room. I was about to say, John, I don't know if you've seen him. I haven't seen him much in the locker room either. I think he's keeping a low profile. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he's a bit, and he should. Um, yeah. You know, Gardner's a very competitive guy. I think, you know, that great quote, I forget the exact quote. Maybe you remember it about not taking number twos because he doesn't believe. Yeah. He wanted to compete <laughs> with uh, Trevor Lawrence as the number yeah. one overall player. And we're like, Gardner, you know, settle down. Um, and the same thing. You remember he played well against the Jets. He went into Nick Sirianni's office. He said, look, what can I do to be the starting quarterback of this team? And Nick was like, nothing. You're not the starting <laughs> quarterback. So it's yeah. it. he's a very good backup. I, I think mm-hmm. he's a top five backup. But I do think he's leaving after this season. He'll, he'll want a chance to compete. And the Eagles will have to go back to the quarterback factory and, and try to get a sustainable. But – you don't need it when Jalen Hurts is playing like this. Yeah, um, it, it, it's pretty amazing. And and so I'll I'll shift it to Jalen. You didn't see this coming, did you, Jay? No, I I've said it all along. Like you know, all summer he was talking about. Oh, I, I worked on my mechanics. Small balls coming out smoother. You know, second year with the same play caller and the same offense. You know, the coaching staff said he was you know picking things up quicker. Everything was faster with him. And, like, I, I heard all that, and I was just kind of naturally skeptical of it. You know, you hear that all the time in training camp. Oh, this guy is in the best shape of his life. Oh, this guy is, has never looked better. He's, he's at the peak of his career. And it's like you just need to see it. And through three games, like, Jalen Hurts was not, you know, spinning yarn there. He was being honest when he said, like, you know, I made significant improvements this offseason. He always talks about that, putting in the work all the time. Like, it shows, you know, I think. Uh, the Eagles have seem, seemingly always believed that he was going to reach whatever his potential was. And it was just a matter of finding out what that potential is. And I think he has redefined the ceiling there, um, you know, just by I know it's three games. I know it's a small sample size, but the throws he's making against, you know, some of these defenses are throws. I just did not see him make last year the way that he's, you know, in command of the offense before the snap, even, you know, making checks at the line. These are all things that, like, we just didn't see as much last year. And I think, you know, <clears throat> he's a hard quarterback to figure because it's like, what is what what is his ideal ceiling? Like, you know, what is – there's not, like, an archetypal quarterback that you can point to. You know, like, yeah. you think about Cam Newton, but Cam was huge. You know, Cam's, like, 6'4", 240. You think of Russell Wilson. I don't know if Jalen's necessarily that dynamic on the run as a passer as Russell Wilson. And I don't think he makes, you know, maybe some of the, the same type of throws that Russell Wilson does. I mean – there's, there's like just, it's hard to really figure out like what is Jalen's, you know, 
what quarterback can you point to and say that's him at his best? You know, it's it's not Lamar. He's a different type of player. Um, you know, maybe statistically, production production wise, he could be that around that, but not the same play style. So yeah, no, I mean, I did not see it coming. <clears throat> you know, some of the throws that he's made uh, toward the intermediate middle of the field, deep middle of the field, not just to AJ Brown, but to Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith. Those are throws he just didn't make last year. I mean, it's just you know, you can't you can't overstate it. It's, it's a huge, uh, it's a huge development piece for him. And, you know, we'll see, there's going to be more tests as the season goes on, you know, uh, we'll see how he kind of fares through some of the, you know, better defenses in the league. I still think there's a lot to improve on, uh, even though they've been really productive. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, you said it, like if I'm Gardner Minshew, like I no longer view the Eagles as a place where, Oh, I might be able to compete for a quarterback job at some point. Like, no, Jalen is kind of establishing himself as a long-term answer for sure. And, oh, by the way, you can use whatever metric you want to rate quarterbacks, rating, and uh, different. If you look at pro football focus, they got him rated the number two quarterback in the league right now. Yeah. I'm a fan. I I, I <laughs> stumped for him all offseason. I wasn't crazy enough to go, I think he could be the second best quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> no chance, no shot. And I consider myself a pretty damn big Jalen Hurts fan. So he has gone above and beyond what expectations could have reasonably uh, ben, right, sure. Dougie P's coming to town this week. You guys are going to talk to him today. What's the crowd reaction when Peterson first takes the field? How long will it last? And do you <laughs> think they go video tribute? I, I think I'd go video tribute, right? I mean, you want a Super Bowl here? I don't you pay don't attention so? to that stuff. They were asking me. I, I guess I don't pay attention to that stuff because See, I couldn't I remember think, Andy. I think they did with Andy. Yeah, I, I think, can't. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember right. the history of it. So I'm just yeah. giving. I'm just going off a of feel here more than anything. Like it feels like they should. Like I don't know. I don't think the breakup was that messy that you you can't you know appreciate what he did here. I think that there's a chance he'll get booed. I mean, everybody gets booed in Philadelphia. <laughs> like it's kind of the thing. I think he'll probably get booed early on and then he'll probably get some some type of ovation or some thank you Doug chant or something like that. Um I could see it being a mix of boos and cheers too. I'm sure that like WIP and the fanatic are probably talking about this all week. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, should you boo the I you know, I don't think there's any chance Doug gets booed pregame. Now, in the game so. they're going to okay. boo him. Yeah. Uh, okay. I I I think you know because then it becomes Eagles versus Jags and he's the enemy. Yeah. But I don't think Eagles fans dislike Doug Peterson at all. No, they definitely at don't. All. I think that a lot of them were sad to see him go, and they yeah. were sad to see him end up somewhere else this uh, this off season. Yeah. So yeah, you might you be know, right. Maybe what, maybe it'll be like an ovation at the start, and then yeah, at some point, like if they show him on the jumbotron mid game, he's gonna get yeah, booed. Especially <laughs> if he converts a fourth down. With the yeah, help of Ryan Paganetti, <laughs> uh, our buddy Ryan, uh, yeah. Jaguars director of analytics or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, I I do want you know to me, I I think I look at one potential sort of X factor in this game, and tell me if I'm crazy with this, EJ. But I see Mike McCoy over on Doug's staff. I see Jim Bob Cooter over on Doug's staff. Like nobody knows Nick Sirianni better than those guys. Yeah. Does Nick Sirianni have to have to shift his tendencies this week uh, against Jacksonville? Yeah, it might be some some of the calls can't be the same, you know, like at the line of scrimmage. And yeah, the tendency thing is the thing. I mean, that's that's the thing. You know, it, Nick always talks about getting the edge on guys in any way you possibly can. You know, watching uh, opposing coaches press conferences and you know watching hard knocks when the lines were on it, like. 
he wants that information. And I, now it's like right at Doug's fingertips, you know, guys who understand the intricate workings of the Eagles offense, you know, and especially, I mean, we can all, we all kind of understand like the Eagles offense isn't super complex. It's not, you know, this huge playbook. It's kind of like simple concepts run well with talented players. You know, that's kind of the basis of it. So I don't know. It, it kind of goes both ways. I could see it going either way. Like I could see it being like, yeah, like the Jags are completely prepared for everything the Eagles offense was going to do. But like most teams probably are pretty familiar with what the Eagles offense is. Yeah, that's point. fair. That's and it's fair. like the difference is that like, okay, well, you've got, we've got AJ Brown and Devonte Smith and you've got whoever you have on the other side, like good luck, you know? Yeah. So I think it's, I think it'll probably come down to the players just because it's not like the Eagles have like the secret, you know, exotic look that they only use in certain t- t- packages. I feel like even us watching the games, we kind of yeah. Like, well, not not according to Nick. Everything's yeah. everything's secret, but yeah, it's very simple. Yeah. I say that all the time, EJ, and I get killed for it. I, it well, is a very that, simple. It's offer. not a. It's not a knock. It's not like yeah. you don't like Jalen Hurts is still what twenty four years old. He's you know been a full time starter. This is what his third year. This is his third year. Why am I blanking on that? Yeah, third third year. Yeah, so year it's starter. like yeah, second year starter, third year. Sorry, I don't know. It's early for me, I guess. Um, <laughs> but like, but no, I mean, it's not a knock to have a simple offense when you when you're able to put twenty four points up in a quarter and you know outscore teams and basically put games away in a half. It's like you know it's what Jalen's good at. It's what he knows so far. And it's not uh, that much of a concern or like a huge red flag that like he hasn't progressed yet. I mean, it seems like he's going to keep progressing. So uh, yeah, no, I don't think it's a knock that the offense is simple. It's working. You know, it's like make number one offense in the NFL. Exactly. Just get out of your players way. Let them make plays. And Oh, by the way, Nick Sirianni did a good job uh, day before yesterday defending himself from the doubters like John McMullen, who point out that they're last in the league in motion. Can't do motion when you go and hurry up. If you're playing with pace, you just want to get to the line of scrimmage and get the defense before they can get set. So good on on Nick for defending himself. Now he's got to keep playing (laughs) with pace, though, which I'm not sure he really wants to do, but I think it works for him. I hope It's working for him right now, yeah. No motion for motion's sake, John. That's uh, that's uh, that's the no, no motion for motto. motion's sake. Yeah, <laughs> which is you know, it, there's obviously Sean McVay is sort of the guy still in the NFL, and he's Mister Motion. So it is yeah. an interesting disconnect from that standpoint. It's All like right, so. But, let me ask. Let me ask both you guys. Sorry to interrupt, John. How does Doug's offense compare to the rest of the National Football League when it comes to motion? Here in Philadelphia, Jacksonville now, are uh, the Eagles they use be more on the than, for than the Eagles. Yeah, well, that's most teams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They use no, more they, than the Eagles. use it. I think that Doug yeah. is smart. I think Doug is the type of coach that, like, he uses it because it's like you can get just a tiny advantage sometimes from doing it. It's like, even if it's just like, I think <clears throat> against the Chargers, I noticed a couple times that they'd have like the back rotate to the other side right before the snap. And they just do that just to mess with you, you know, it's just yeah. to, you know, get you a little bit off guard right before the snap, you know, just that little tiny advantage you can get from a defensive lineman having to go, wait a second, like, okay, now the back's going to go this way in a read option play. It's like, you know, just tiny, like, you know, winning on the margins, I guess. And that's kind of what I think of when I think of like Doug as a coach and as an offensive, like, you know, mind is kind of just like those like little tiny advantages you can get kind of like adding those up. So they definitely yeah. use more than the Eagles, but I, I do yeah. think that they have like, 
they kind of explained why the motion for motion sake doesn't really make sense is because you can just just throw it in just to just to you know. Well, I love I love feet, um know? I love McVeigh's description uh, illusion of complexity. It looks yeah. complex, but it isn't complex for them. Um, and the goal is to get the defenders, you know, uh, moving their eyes and and just being undisciplined. That's the goal um, of, of motion for the most part. I think a lot of people think it's for the quarterback to see what coverage you're in. But so many people use uh, the Eagles version of defense, which basically starts out as cover two. And then you go into your coverage, whether it's yeah. quarters, usually quarters, but could be cover six, cover eight, could be a bunch of different things. And you try to hold it so the quarterback has to make that post-snap decision, which Jalen Hurts, by the way, has been very good at this year. Yeah. And, and that's, well, a, that's a big improvement. Yeah, and, like, the Eagles instead will just, like, <clears throat> use that empty formation with a running back out wide. And that's yeah, empty's another way. For yeah, Yeah, and that's just well. another way to go, okay, if your number one corner is on the running back all the way out of the sideline, you're not in man coverage. Like you're not wasting your number one corner on Kenny Gamewell. So, um, <clears throat> and defenses are getting better and better at hiding that anyway. If defenses are, are not just going to keep giving you the answers. And that's, you know, exactly what you're saying with Jonathan Gannon. Like he's not giving you pre-snap answers. He wants to make you work post-snap while, you know, people are trying to rip your head off. So uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's not that simple anymore. I get, I get where the Eagles coaches are coming from, but I do think that like <clears throat> you've seen good coaches work it in for a reason. So. All right, EJ, coming off a week where the Eagles got nine sacks. <laughs> I'm setting this week's under-over total on sacks at two and a half. That's coming down pretty uh, precipitously, but there were a whole bunch of reasons why they got nine last week. I know the they, biggest one. You, you're taking the under <laughs> or the over on two and a half Eagles sacks against Jacksonville on Sunday, and why? Yeah, I'm kind of with John. They're not they're not playing Carson Wentz this week. Yeah. <laughs> and Trevor Lawrence, I looked at his like time to throw yesterday. <clears throat> it was really fast against the Chargers, like I think fastest uh, of the season. And it was probably I think it was like two point three something. It was pretty quick. Um, if he's going to get the ball that quick, they're just not going to get to him. So I don't know. It really depends on what Gannon does schematically. You know, like against Washington, it was really a point of emphasis. Let's take away the first read, make Carson kind of work through his progression. And sort of get Carson in that mode where it's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta make a play here. I gotta, you know, I gotta push it down the field. I'm not taking the check down. I think Trevor Lawrence is, you know, aggressive at times, but he's willing to get the ball out. So two and a half, I'd probably take the under. Honestly, I think this is going to be another game where it's kind of like the Kirk Cousins game, where it's like they didn't have a lot of sacks, they had a lot of pressure. Um, You know, I think that the Eagles' best case scenario, obviously their best case is that they have the over, but. You know, I think the most likely is somewhere in between the Eagles affect the quarterback, but don't get don't get much sack production because they're basically just getting those very high value pressures that Gannon talks about, you know, where pressure is almost as good as a sack in some cases. Um, and I guess the worst case is they really just don't affect the quarterback because they're playing off coverage and Trevor Lawrence is just taking what's there. So, yeah, I think that they could definitely come down to earth. I think they'll have their games where they have a lot of sacks. I do think it's a good front. You know, I think that they, they can generate pressure against good teams. But uh, I am just a little bit uh, – I have my doubts about them always having high sack games because of the way that the defense is structured. Yeah. Uh, in a weird way, and I've thrown this out a couple times to people – I want to get your thought on this, EJ. Does a nine-sack game hurt the Eagles from this perspective? They have a very good defensive line. I mean, that's how they built this team. 
They think that's the strength of the defense. They won a bunch of one-on-ones against Washington. Um, you can't do that every week. I'm getting in trouble. It's not sustainable. I'll say that again, Jody. <laughs> Good for uh, you. You can't do that every right. week. Um, and if it's expected that you're just going to win like that, all of a sudden you're in the third quarter, fourth quarter of a game. You're not getting pressure. Um, and the defensive coordinator is expecting those guys to get pressures. Can that kind of hurt in a weird way when you have a game like that? Long yeah, so I, I guess you're saying like maybe Gannon's like, I don't need the blitz. I can get pressure yeah, with these front exactly. four, front five. There's a chance. Um, there's definitely a chance. Uh, I think the Gannon will always be kind of creative in the way that he sends four or five. Like, you know, you're seeing – I know people – I don't want to get – I don't want to open up the, the Pandora's box of Hassan Reddick dropping into coverage. But, oh, you know, yeah. you – you see those those rushes where like you've got TJ Edwards coming up the A gap and Hassan dropping into coverage and listen, I have no quarrel with that. Like that is yeah. modern. You gotta throw a curveball. I tell <laughs> yeah. Elliot all the time. He's like, you can't have Hassan <laughs> Reddick drop it. You can't throw a fastball, even if you're a power pitcher, every single every time. Yeah. Right. You gotta yeah. throw a curveball. Now, like what context we drop Hassan in, it's like that's well, where I'm that, starting to yeah, yeah, that's where I start to understand where people are coming from. It's like, is he chasing around tight ends in the flat or is he dropping as a whole player and sort of just being a body in space, you know? Um, so that's I get I get the argument, but no, I, I think Gannon mixes up his his rushes enough where even if, if the if the front's not getting pressure in the first or second quarter, I could see them saying, All right, let's work in, you know, a couple of blitzes or maybe just some sim pressures where we send you know, TJ Edwards to blow up a running back and pass pro or, you know, Kaiser White or, you know, even Avante Maddox, sometimes they'll send him. So it's like, I do think that the blitzing, the frequency of blitzing makes me less uh, concerned about it, I would say. Like, you know, last year, I'm totally with you. I think that Gannon was just like, okay, I'm going to try and get pressure with my front four, my front five. And that's just what it is. If they don't get home, then we're not going to have a great day. But this year, I think he's been more middle of the road with blitzes. He sent a lot more zero for sure. So, um I could see them still working in some blitzes, trying to cook, uh, cook Trevor Lawrence up a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a young quarterback. You might try to rattle him early in the game. All right. I preface this question with the fact that I know the Eagles are the number one offense in the National Football League. Uh, and if it's going to tick off Eagle fans, I'll apologize in advance. Tell me the Zach Pascal jet sweep is not on this week's <laughs> play card for the <clears throat> offense. Yeah, that one was a head scratcher. I mean, I know that that Nick loves Pascal and they really appreciate this the contributions he makes doing all the dirty work, but I I, I don't know. It's one of those like coaches getting in the way of themselves almost yeah, <clears> where yeah. it's like let's get Pascal a touch on yeah. a jet sweep, like he's going to score and we're going to sit there and talk about how awesome he is and how, you know, he's our lunch pail wide receiver four. <laughs> like, you know, that's that's kind of that kind of felt like that. Now, the shovel pass, I know people were mad about that one too. I thought that was actually a pretty well drawn up play. It just yeah, just wasn't like executed on, properly. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of just weird, weird timing wise. Um, but yeah, the Pascal jet sweep I think has got you got to crumble that one up, throw it in the trash. Get get the guy. Uh, I mean, he gets he gets touches every game. He runs that like they run that like I call it all triple option, even though it's not really triple option. Where he runs that flat route and Jalen kind of just tosses it out to him. Yeah. That's like one of their bread and butter plays, and that's the Pascal. So. I don't think you got to worry about getting that guy touches. Uh, and he doesn't seem like the type of guy who's going to be upset if he doesn't get a lot of touches either. So, no. uh, yeah, I think that was just uh, maybe a little bit of, like I said, coaching hubris maybe. <laughs> Agree. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of haughtiness. You know, if they are going to run that play, because there is one thing, if I look at this Eagles offense and 
if I'm a defensive coordinator, I don't know what the heck I'm trying to do. Like, who am I trying to stop? But if there's one yeah. nitpick, I, I would say it's they don't have a manufactured touch player. What they tried yeah. to make Jalen Rager <clears throat> in, I haven't been able to do that. You can't go to Zach Pascal though. Why not Kenny Gainwell <laughs> running that play? Well, I feel like Kenny Gainwell is their manufactured touch player at this point. Like, they really do. Like, they like to force him the ball sometimes, and it's like, you have all these, you know, superstars on the outside. You got Devontae right. Smith, you got AJ Brown, you got Dallas Goddard, even Quez Watkins. I mean, he could be a decent manufactured touch player, but they I love, don't know. I don't they know. love that Quez Kenny Gainwell it. on a Texas route or on a screen. They like yeah. they like to get him the ball a couple of times. And I'll here's, be honest, I just haven't seen it. You know, here's Quez's job, DJ. Just run by people. Because yeah, I see him on kick returns. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he's he doesn't not, have a lot of things. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's I not mean, gonna he, break a tackle. He's kind of perfect for that role of like number three receiver. The safety's got to stay deep because you're that you're out there, but you're only going to get the ball a couple times a game. And, you know, he's going to be happy because every other game he's going to catch a 50 yard bomb. But, yeah. you know, he's a lot of times just kind of going to be, you know, making the safety respect him. That's about it. So, EJ, which is going to be the more interesting matchup this week? And you can define interesting any way you want. <laughs> Eagles offense against the Jags defense or the Jags offense against the Eagles de- defense. Which do you think is more interesting? Uh, give me the Eagles defense <clears throat> against the Jags offense. I I feel like the Eagles offense is probably due for a little bit of regression here. And this is a good Jaguars defense. So I think it could, it could definitely happen. Um, but even if the Eagles offense struggles, I'm not going to throw out the first three games and go, oh, this is time to sound the alarms or, you know, this is a big concern. I, I still think that this offense has kind of proven that they can play up to the talent level. You know, they can, you know, generate a lot of explosives and kind of do that stuff. I'm still curious to see what the Eagles defense will settle into against really good offenses and really good quarterbacks. Um, you know, we talked about Kirk Cousins earlier and how he's kind of like right on that line of, Will this quarterback shred the Eagles defense? Uh, I thought Wentz was below it. Um, obviously, I thought Jared Goff was below it. So I think this is, this is another interesting test. You know, it's like when you're look when you're looking at a three and O team that people are picking for the Super Bowl and people are picking for deep playoff runs and are they the best team in the NFC? It's really just like we've seen them play three games and they've passed every test so far. And it's like there will be more tests. And I think as far as like which side has the bigger test, I say, I'd say it's the Eagles defense against a good Jags offense with some talent. Uh, and like, like we mentioned, like the best quarterback they faced and a really good play caller. So yeah, I'm a, I'm curious to see how the Eagles defense fares. I think, you know, if they'd struggle, it's not, you know, the end all be all, you can't throw out the first three games for them either. But I do think that it's an interesting test to kind of gauge, like, what are the Eagles going to be down the stretch? You know, what are, are the Eagles actually a Super Bowl contender? Uh, I think we're, we'll get more answers to that, uh, you know, after Sunday. At EJ Smith 94 tells you a couple things where to follow EJ on Twitter. And he's a lot younger than me <laughs> and inquire.com. Read him there. Covers uh, does a great job with Jeff. Is, is, that, is that date of birth rather than an allegiance to uh, WIP 94? Is that what that's not? No, that, I didn't even think about that. People probably right. think that that's what that is. No, it's a, uh, it's my year of birth. You yeah. Know? Okay. Uh, Just yeah. double check. I, I know it. I didn't know it. I, yeah. I, I, I <laughs> My, my bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's uh, uh, I'll leave you with this. Uh, another week, another player of the week for the Eagles. Uh, every week, Brandon Graham, defensive player of the week. And people get too upset about these things. But why isn't Devontae offensive player of the week? I, I would 
went Devonte more than Brandon this week. Uh, yeah, I think that it was one of those like you know uh, like the Super Bowl MVP to the Giants yeah. defensive line. I think it was one of those. It's like yeah. you guys had nine nine sacks. Like we got to give this to somebody on that Eagles defensive line. Why don't we give it to you know Brandon Graham? We know him. He's coming off a tough injury. Let's just toss that one to him. So I'm with you. When I I saw like Devonte, I you know it, as I'm like in a malaise, like a you know early in the morning, I'm reading <laughs> Twitter and it's like I see Devonte Smith NFC Offensive Player of the Week. I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And then I saw it was actually somebody tweeting like Devontae Smith should have been NFC player. Yeah. Like, I was like, Oh, like that is a little bit of a surprise, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I think that the Brandon Graham one was probably more of a, like a, like a lifetime achievement or not lifetime achievement, but like, Hey, let's, let's give this to the entire group, but we can't give it to the entire group. Let's give it to Brandon Graham. So. EJ, great stuff. We appreciate it. Whenever you come on, thanks for getting up early and hopping on with us today. And the only reason I made the WIP comment was because you had mentioned them earlier. It yeah, wasn't a WIP no. guy trying to overly <laughs> tell WIP. No, no, no. You you brought it up, but no, I just, no, I'm not a company I man with WIP. I'm a I'm I, inquirer yeah. through and through. But thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate <laughs> it. Thanks, EJ. Good for you, brother. Always a pleasure. Thanks for hopping on. EJ Smith <laughs> here with us on uh, Birds Three Sixty Five. All right, Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac, coming back. We got a couple minutes left. You know what we got to do. Put that bow on the show. <clears throat> Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go first. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
down the home stretch of a Bird Street 65 Wednesday get together. Johnny Mac, uh, are you Novacare Complex bound today? What do you got over with the Bird oh, yeah. Walk through Wednesday? Oh, no. This is the big day. Big day. Sunday game, Wednesday, biggest day. You got everything going on. You got uh, Nick Sirianni. You got Doug Peterson. You got the quarterback after practice. You got practice. You got. Uh, it's the longest day of the week, uh, Wednesday in the NFL. And how long do you ac- actually get to watch practice for? 20 minutes, maybe. 20 minutes? Yeah. Is yeah. there someone there with an actual stopwatch, do you think? No, no. It's, uh, you know, you get to watch uh, individual drills, and uh, once they start teamwork, you are ushered out. Yeah, you uh, will. Uh, I, I've never done it. It's your job, and you're good at it. Um, I would be ticked off. There was something I wanted to say. All right, you got to go. What do you mean you got to go? Yeah. We're not ready to go yet. That would I I I'd get myself in trouble if that were the case. If I were on the Eagles beat. All right, so you got a uh, busy Wednesday. What do you think? You want to make a uh, kind of look into the future? Any little tidbit or any uh, change that you think could happen that we'll be talking about tomorrow? Nope. Probably a lot of resting players. Uh, probably a lot of maintenance uh, players. We'll probably talk about that. People love when Jody talks about that. Oh, yeah. 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 That, uh, that, that grizzled veteran Dickerson on the def- offensive line that needs days off, that he needs rest. At least well, I got he's hurt. He does when- need rest now. He's hurt. He's actually hurt. Um, Doug, Doug, though, will be the story of the day. Doug's going to talk on Zoom. Uh, he's going to zoom with us. So even more, not even doing the conference call, he's going, Hey, pay attention, Kevin O'Connell, uh, a professional has entered the building. Now, Doug, Doug will be happy to see us, uh, you know, because he's doing well, you know, he's used to talking to maybe three reporters in Jacksonville. Uh, he, he likes us when he's doing well. So. All right. Quick uh, prediction. Have fun. Josh, old man, Josh wet. Uh, maintenance day for him oh yeah yeah he's on the plan he's on the plan yeah sorry that 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 just bothers me when guys who are 25 26 years old need rest days during practice it's i'm I'm not gonna let that i'm surprised they say rest i'm surprised they don't go with the nba maintenance uh term Maintenance Eagle fans are bright enough to understand maintenance day equals rest day means they got them in bubble wrap. That's uh, Eagle fans are smart enough to figure that one out. All right. uh, A smart move, Eagle fans, would be to be back here tomorrow. Johnny Mac, you back? I'm back day to day, but I plan on it. He's back, and we're going to have two good guests tomorrow. John Stolnitz, Bleeding Green Nation. And, oh, by the way, Mike Quick tomorrow who got the uh, coach's honor treat. Yeah, for... Quick Six, the yes. Mike Quick jersey. The pander and sheep. I'm not going to call him that with the Mike Quick jersey. <laughs> Mike Quick. We'll pander to Mike Quick tomorrow, right here on Birds 365 when we return in 2 and 2. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, 
We're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.